Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition, playoff edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson, alongside my good friend Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play, Lightning Radio. And we're coming at you after game four of the opening round playoff series between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. A 6-2 victory for Tampa Bay puts them up in the series three games to one and in complete control of this series now. Even after, uh, you know, they were up 2 nothing, they lose game three. They're now up three games to one with a chance to close out the series and advance to the second round once again with game five down in Sunrise on Monday. And there is a ton to digest from Saturday's game four from the scoreboard to the power play times to the quote-unquote antics of the Florida Panthers and uh, certainly many other things. So let's just jump right into this, Greg, before we get into the controversial stuff, because we'll get warmed up for that. Um, There was a hockey game that was played. It didn't seem like it at times, but there was a hockey game that was played and the lightning, even though you could argue they were outplayed in the first period, build a three, one lead and really never look back. No. And you know, it's funny. There are, they're one bad period away from sweeping the Florida Panthers. They're one bad penalty away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible when you look at how this series is going to be playing out and an opportunity for the lightning to shorten this series really to five games. And I think that's a, a pretty big deal. Look, we can talk about a number of different aspects of this game the other night uh, in game four or the other afternoon, but Nikita Kucherov, Andre Vasilevsky. Let's start and end maybe with those two because Kucherov has been dominant on the power play. His playmaking skills are second to none. The Panthers really don't have an answer for Tampa Bay's power play. Kucherov has made a huge difference. And, you know, it's something I think some people anticipated could happen, but maybe not to this level. I mean, I think he's basically averaging two points per game in this series. He's been phenomenal. And then Andre Vasilevsky was really, really good. And I think they put up what 41 shots on goal. A number of those were dangerous scoring opportunities. It was like that, you know, quite frankly, in game three, I mean, Vasi gave up six, probably could have given up 11. And I know there was some talk about the Panthers maybe having his number stats. Don't lie. I think you give credit to what Florida has been able to do against Vasi this year, but I'm not sure if you watched all of those games outside of the last two in the regular season, you'd sit there and say, I, I, I don't feel really good about Vassy in this matchup. He was really good again. And so I think we can break down some other things that did transpire with the secondary scoring, which was big and you know how things got out of control. But for me, the way Kucherov has played and Andre Vasilevsky, I think has been a big deal. 
Yeah, especially Vasilevsky, because there's always a spotlight on the goaltenders. It's, you know, again, you show me a good team, I'll show you a good team with a good goaltender. That's just kind of the way it works in this sport. And there were certainly questions about whether or not, you know, Florida, quote unquote, does have his number. Um, you know, and look, they've put up some goals on him this year. It's, he's, I think Florida's the only team he had a losing record against. His goals against average was over three for, a you know, a player who, you know, his, his goals against was around 2.2, 2.3 in that neighborhood. But he showed up in game four big time, big time. Because, I mean, look, we were questioning him a little bit after game three because of some of the goals that did go in against him because those are not typical goals that we're used to seeing Andre Vasilevsky let in. But he rebounded big time in game four, especially in the first period, because, again, the scoreboard said 3-1 Tampa Bay. It was not that way in how the period played out. And, you know, Florida did get a a power play goal. But, you know, the shot attempts in the first period were 24-11 for Florida. And the scoring chances were 17-8. And yet Tampa Bay was up 3-1. And, you know, I I asked the the couple of questions in the postgame situation about the first period going their way on the scoreboard, but maybe not in every other area. And they said that's exactly what we talked about. In the first intermission, we have to get back to playing, you know, our style of game. And you saw that to start the second period. Lightning came out and they just dominated the first 10 minutes of the period. They built it to a 5-1 lead. And I said it, Greg. The game is over. The scoreboard there. and There's no way Florida's coming back from that. But watch out now. Because that's what happened. And we'll get into that in a second. But uh, Vasilevsky really rebounding with a strong effort, as we're used to seeing him do. Right. Like, you know, I think Tampa Bay is now eight. No, uh, going back to last year, following a loss in the playoffs. And obviously, Andre Vasilevsky is eight. No, in the playoffs, following a loss dating back to last year. To me, that's just the sign of two things. It's the sign of a goaltender who's mature and understands how to rebound from games. And at the same time, it's a sign of a team, a veteran team that understands. Yeah. Game three got away from them. And that was a disappointing way to lose but we know it's a series and it's just one loss. We'll come back and we'll be ready to play the next game. And they were, and especially Nikita Kucherov. He just makes such a monumental difference when he's on the ice, not just because of who he is as a player, but because of the presence that the other team has to pay attention to. All of a sudden now it's a different player that has to garner your attention if you're the Florida Panthers. And when he's able to do that, you know, you, you get what we've seen so far in this series where he's just been dynamite and dynamic. And I can't believe how much criticism this player has received for his playoff performances over the years, because especially the last two years, he's been the best postseason performer outside maybe Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, you told me about that before game four, that there was that narrative. And I, I had not. I did not know that. I I was a little shocked because I think maybe some of that stems from the Capital Series where, you know, the Lightning were shut out in the last two games of that series to lose it to the Caps. And I understand that. I mean, your best players are going to receive criticism when they don't perform. And, you know, when you get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets the way they did and certain things transpired there, there's going to be a lot of heat on Kucherov. But if you take a, a big picture point of view and you look at his numbers, 
I mean, he's a point per game guy for sure. It's going to be interesting to see. I was talking to Brian Burns at the game on on Saturday, and I said it's going to be interesting to see where his points per game in the playoffs compare with some of the other great Russian players in the NHL. You know, Ovechkin and Malkin are both point per game guys, but Kucherov, the numbers he's putting up are are pretty incredible, pretty staggering. And the Panthers don't have an answer for him. And this is what makes Tampa Bay so difficult, especially in the playoffs. I mean, the other thing, too, is Florida was two for seven on the power plane. And going back to another Russian, Vasilevsky, those numbers probably don't do him justice because he faced a lot of quality scoring chances. And I think that's a concern a little bit for the lighting moving forward. The first period was just not what you wanted. It was pretty remarkable that they were up 3-1. And in some ways, that might have deflated the Florida Panthers a bit and maybe got them to the point where they started acting that way in the second and third periods. It was good to see Sorelli score and Gord score. Again, that depth scoring that we've talked about before. But my goodness, if the first period is any indication of the quick strike ability of the Lightning and how frustrating they can play they can beat a play. It would it would be exactly those first twenty minutes because they were outplayed, but they have a they have a lead, and I think it speaks to the skill level that they have, and specifically Kucherov. And I, I you run out of words to describe what he is doing, for sure. But I think he's probably the best power play guy right now in the game, and it, it kind of matches up with where we kind of thought he could be to start the series because you felt like if they could get on the power play. Kucherov might be able to excel even though he had missed the whole year because he's got some time and space. And boy, is he is he making the Panthers pay basically every single time. He is a maestro with the puck. He really is. He he, he is. He's just so creative and just it, that's why it's so hard to defend because he's creative and he's deceptive. And we've heard we've both heard Brian Engblom talk about that quite a bit how deceptive he is with his plays. And to watch him evolve over the course of his career here in Tampa Bay, I, look, let's not forget, he was a healthy scratch in 2014 in the playoffs. And he was a healthy scratch a lot down, down the stretch of, of that season. And to see him take that leap in 2015, I think he's finished that playoff year with 10 goals. Remember, he had that huge overtime goal against Montreal in round two, the overtime goal against the Rangers in game three of the Eastern Conference final. And you just started to see the evolution of the player and to watch him go from there to where he's at now. He's 20, 26 years old. Like he's still a young man in this game. And he just continues to get better and get better and get better. And he's just so hard to defend because of, you never know what he's going to pull out of his bag of tricks and he's got a bag full of tricks and we saw it on display again today. I mean, the pattern on Saturday, the pass to Alex Kalorn to set up that power play goal in the second period, you know, again, the sort of the whipping one timer off the, the feed from Steven Stamkos in the third period, you know, he's, he knows what he's doing before the puck is even off another player's stick, but nobody else does. He's the only one who knows. Um, and it even catches his teammates by surprise sometimes. So they always have to be prepared for anything. And, um, you know, good luck defending that situation. 
uh, if, if you're trying to get him. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into some of the shenanigans that went on, uh, I brought this up to you and you know people who read my site the other day, the Tampa Bay Lightning, when they're up 2-1 in a series, have won eight consecutive series when they're up 2-1. And in, in in the John Cooper era, they are actually nine and one in when they're up two one in the series, uh, and of course they were up two one in all four series last year uh, on the run of the Stanley Cup. So that kind of helps the stat just a little bit. But at the end of the day, this team knows how to rebound. So as disappointing as that loss was in Game Three to blow the two goal lead, to lose it in overtime, and to lose it with Ryan Lomberg scoring the overtime goal, I mean it was just it was just not a good way to uh, end that game. Uh, if you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, but the players all knew they understood what they were up against. Uh, and again, it's just a testament to the maturation of this team to understand that it was just one loss to come out the next game. Um, and, you know, of those eight consecutive series that they've been up to one, none of them have gone to a game seven. So Tampa Bay has been able to close out those series in five or six games every single time. Yeah, it's a great stat, and it's uh, that's not going to change in this series. I mean, even even in Game 3 when the Panthers won, I think you had to ask yourself the question, as much as you don't like to look ahead in playoff games because nothing is a guarantee, did anybody see Florida beating Tampa Bay 4 out of 5? And I'm not sure you could say honestly, even if you were a Panthers fan, that that was going to happen. And they have an opportunity to close this out in 5, And I go back to what I've heard some players talk about. Deep playoff runs. It's nice if you can to get one that goes five games or even a sweep. It's rare, but it really helps you, especially with the legs late in the postseason to do something like that. And the Lightning are in a position, especially after having to repeat, you know, trying to repeat and and winning the cup last year. You know, having a shorter series after all the games they've played this year, that I think that is a bigger deal. I think that's a good storyline. And I think if they can win in five and they can just watch the other teams beat each other up and just relax a little bit more, you know what? This has been a pretty physical series. And uh, you're hoping the Lightning's killer instinct comes out on Monday. I don't think it's going to be as nasty as some anticipate just because I don't think the Panthers can afford it. Plus, I think if, if the Lightning are winning late in that game on Monday, I, I don't see the cheapness developing. I could be wrong. We'll find out. But I think there's a real opportunity here for the Lightning to set themselves up for a deep playoff run if they can make this a five-game series uh, and finish it off on Monday. Always huge. Always huge if you are able to pull that off, right? Um, the extra rest can do nothing but help. Um, for any team, and uh, especially for this season because of the condensed schedule. You know, and the Lightning talked about it when they finished their season on a Monday and they didn't play again until Sunday, so you had almost a full week. I mean, that stuff really matters to players. It doesn't, like, it doesn't sound like it would be much, but it really matters because, you know, you think about they didn't have more than two days off between games from, you know, the middle of February until the end of the season. Um, so for them to have the five days off, you know, be, you know, before they got to play again, and then the two complete days off before they got back to practice that week. So uh, that's a huge thing. And here's the other thing, Greg, which goaltender 
are the lightning in a face on Monday because we're four games into the series and Joel Quenville has already pulled a goalie twice in game yeah. and he made a goaltending change twice in four games. I, I, I'm going to say it right now. I'd be shocked if we don't see Spencer Knight on Monday because they've got nothing to lose now. That's interesting. Yeah. Look, anything's possible at this point. I think Quenfil has shown that I think he's looking more for a spark than he is consistency in that by how much he's gone back and forth, which I'm a little surprised. I'd, I'd like to stop hearing the narrative about having two goaltenders in today's game. I, I appreciate why maybe in the regular season you need one in the, in the postseason. This going back and forth does nobody good, in my opinion. I understand Joel Quenfil has done this before. He's won Stanley Cups. Far be it for me to tell him what to do. I don't think it's working. Now, you can make a case if Drieger had started or if Bobrovsky started every single game, would the series be different? I, I don't know. That's that's hindsight. You know, it's 2020, maybe, maybe not. But I don't think each, I don't think any goaltender outside of game one, and that was Bobrovsky, has looked particularly comfortable beyond that. And we'll see how it plays out. My sense is that, you know, Drew, I would say he'd go back to Drigger. I don't think he looked great. I thought he looked, you know, shaky. And I, I know he took he got hit by Kucherov, um, who was pushed in that we can get into a little later on. My here, here's my sense. I'm gonna say he goes with Bobrovsky, but at that point, I think it's anybody's guess. Well, it like your long sort of sigh pause there kind of tells you exactly where the Panthers are at with the situation, and they've created this because you know they drafted Spencer Knight in the first round a couple years ago, and then they signed Bobrovsky to this monster contract. So, and Bobrovsky has not lived up to it in any way, shape, or form. He was not very good last year. He was not very good this year, certainly not very consistent, but he had to start game one. Even though Chris Dreger badly outperformed him during the regular season, they had to go to Bobrovsky in game one. Didn't work. Okay, now we know. Let's put in Dreger because he had the better year. That didn't work as well as he played in game two. They still lost the game. And you can sit here and say it wasn't really his fault, but he gave up five goals in the second period of game three. And they pull him, and then they get Bobrovsky. It, whether it sparked them or not, he ends up being the goalie of record and gets the win. So you go back to Bobrovsky for game four. And again, his fault or not, I mean, the Yanni Gord goal was a massive tip. That was going well wide of the net. You know, the other goals are like wide open. Like, I'm not sure how much you can blame them, but they pull them after the fifth one and put Dreger back in. This is where the Panthers are at because Dreger's a UFA after the year. He's not coming back. Bobrovsky, you don't have any faith in. And Spencer Knight, what he win his first four starts this year? Yeah. I, just kind of plotting it out that way. I, I don't know how they don't go to Spencer Knight because look, and he's a goalie that the Lightning haven't seen. So if you're looking for a spark, it ain't coming from Bobrovsky and it ain't coming from Dreger. If you're looking for the spark, it's coming from Spencer Knight. That's why I would be surprised if we don't see him. What do they say? If you have three goaltenders, you don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're right. And and they did create this. And I I don't. Was it self-inflicted? You know, or did they just not have a guy they're comfortable with? And if that's the case, you know, to me, that's then maybe Spencer Knight should have played earlier. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess to me, if this was the plan all along, and I, you get the sense the way Quenville's handled their goaltending, that 
the lease was going to be pretty short. I mean, if that was the case, that tells me you, you don't have a lot of confidence in either guy for various reasons. So if you get down two games, three games, why not play the youngster? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's, I, 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 it might make more sense. Uh, yeah, that's that's just you know yeah. trying to try. Not that I'm trying to put myself in Joe Quenville's hell, but I guess I just did. Uh, I'd be surprised if they don't go that way. Um, it just it just it just makes sense on a lot of levels. We'll keep an eye on it. Just like like if they had fallen, like if they'd have lost game three, if Tampa Bay had held on to that game, then I think Knight would have started game four. Now your season's on the line. You have nothing to lose. Yeah. And like I said, Dreger's not coming back, and and we've probably seen the last of him in the series, no matter what. Uh, because that's why I think if you go to if you go to Knight and he wins, well, obviously you're going back to him in Game Six. Um, so my my guess is we've probably seen the last of Dreger, maybe in a Florida Panthers uniform. Um, the future is Spencer Knight, and you have to save your now, so you do it with the goalie of the future. That's just the kind of how I look at it. Yeah, no, that's you know what? That's that's as good an explanation as you're gonna get, and um, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Not let me cover that team. Well, you kind of cover them now. Well, yeah, actually, I kind of do. Yeah, doing some work for the Palm Beach Post and the other Gannett papers uh, around the state. So if anybody's listening to this and you have one of those papers, you've probably seen my byline somewhere along the way. Um, all right, so let's get into the uh, the rest of the stuff beyond the hockey game because I think John Cooper sort of summed it up the best when and he opened this door for us to walk into in his post game Zoom conference, where he said after the second period it was no longer a hockey game, yeah. and if you look at some of the let's call them shenanigans if you want that Florida pulled off uh, first and foremost the obvious ones and that was the Anthony Duclair slash to the back of the knee of Nikita Kucherov that left him on the ice. And we saw the flex of the knee while he was down on the ice. If you saw Tom Mulligan, who is the head trainer, athletic trainer, massaging that area, you can kind of get an idea of where Kucherov was hit and what it did to him. There's no padding back there on that part of a player's body. It's one of the few areas they don't have any protection. Then you have the Patrick Hornquist hit on Mikhail Sergachev, and you know a lot of debate on whether or not that was uh, dirty or not. It was a hit from the front, uh, sent him into the boards, sprawling into the boards, and left him sitting on the ice for a while. Uh, got up uncomfortably. There was the hit that Mason Marchment delivered to Ross Colton, which wasn't even a power play which I have no idea how that wasn't even a penalty to Marchment because he blindsided Colton, who didn't have the puck. At the very least, that's interference, if not charging. Um, you look at some of the other stuff that Hornquist in this game. How, how about diving on top of Andre Vasilevsky at one point? He was pushed, but then he jumped on top of Vasilevsky. You know, it's just... And the, and the problem is... The officials let this stuff go on. And then you look at that and you compare to what some of the stuff that they called, like the Eric Chernak roughing call, the Yanni Gord unsportsmanlike conduct call. I, I don't even know what to say about how poorly this game was officiated 
And that doesn't even count the ridiculous Nikita Kucherov goaltender interference call. That might have been the worst. That he got. That, like, Phil, Phil Esposito even came up to me at intermission. He goes, is that not the worst call you've ever seen? And I said, Phil, the only one I've seen worse came in 2004, Game 7, Calgary, Tampa Bay, where Nolan Pratt was called for interference when he didn't even initiate contact. And this one, Kucherov was hit from behind into the goaltender. And on top of that, Mackenzie Weger starts throwing punches on top of Nikita Kucherov at the end of that play. And Kucherov is the only one that went to the penalty box. I just don't get what went on in this game from the officiating standpoint. It was just, it was as, and I've seen a lot of hockey and I've seen a lot of bad officiated hockey. This is probably the worst. You know, I, I guess, honestly, like, are you surprised though? I'm not. I mean, a little bit because there was already a temperature to the series and the temperature of the series actually started a week and a half ago. You're, you're in the assuming, next to the last regular season game. You're assuming these officials are reading the room. I, if, this, if, if they're not, that is a tragedy. How do you think we got here? The reason why we're complaining about these calls is because we've seen a history of this and maybe not to this degree. I don't know. We'd have to go back. I was talking to Brian Engblom about this on the last call. I mean, we were talking about the other series have been borderline crazy. And a lot of it's gotten out of control. Now, Brian brought up a good point. And he said he thinks a lot of this feistiness, and I'll get to the, the officiating in a second, is just the fact these teams have played each other for so many times now. And that's a good point. That, that plays into it for sure. I think we do have to take that in consideration. Now into the officiating. The best way I can sum it up is that after the game... I, I just didn't have a great feeling about how things went. It, it kind of took away from the win. That's, that's as best I can describe what went on. You're going to see these bad calls in regular season games and postseason games, but there is not another league where the officiating changes drastically from regular season to postseason than the NHL. And, you know, the slash on Duclair, you can make the argument those things happen 100 times during a game. He just happened to get Cooch in the back where there was no padding. Was it intentional? For yes. sure. Should he have been penalized? Yes. Do you want to go beyond penalizing him? That's fine. You know, if a player gets hurt, you're using your stick as a weapon to intentionally slash a player. You can make that argument. The Panthers knew they weren't going to win this game and they tried to make it a bloodbath. And, you know, the Sergachev hit was a big deal. I mean, Hornquist has been running around all series. Yep. All series. And the thing about Hornquist and Radko Gudis, guys that are out there towing the line and going over it, is that they never have to answer for it. Yeah. And they never have to answer for it. And, so and please understand that. And they need to come down hard. And this is how you get what we saw happen specifically in the third period. Because, and listening to John Cooper after the game say that the officials were trying to set the tone. Don't do anything stupid. We're going to call you for it. Don't do anything stupid. Lighting didn't do anything stupid. But the Panthers did. And they didn't really get penalized for it. Like there's no, there was no retribution to Anthony Declare. 
There was no retribution to Patrick Hornquist. I mean, the, the biggest thing you got was Ryan Lomberg going after Yanni Gord and kind of grabbing him and throwing a couple of shots before Luke Shen came in and sort of intervened a little bit. And then what what re, what sort of a retribution is there going to be for Ryan Longberg? Nothing. And, you know, and the thing is with Declare, too, like that was absolutely intentional. He knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't do it from behind. He actually did it from front and he turned his stick around. So he made sure he got him with the heel of his stick, which is obviously the hardest part of the stick, you know, and that's where you can do, quote unquote, the most damage. So he knew exactly what he was doing. These players know exactly where there's padding and where there's not. So everything was done with a purpose. And this is where the league is so archaic. We should have evolved from all of this stuff in this league because you go back to the 1970s and it's, hey, if we can't beat you, we're going to beat you up and we're going to get you the next game. We're going to try and hurt somebody so that we have a better chance to win the next game. And we're sitting here in 2021 and we're still talking about this same sort of mentality from teams that, okay, I couldn't beat you on the scoreboard to give myself a better chance. I'm going to beat you up. And there's nothing the league is going to do about it. Anthony declare will be fined. He'll get a $5,000 fine, which as we all know now is the maximum allowed under the CBA. Cause we've seen that come across many times. So he'll get fined. Maybe Hornquist will get a fine for something. He should get something from Bell. Because that's the other thing. The Lightning were aggravated, and, and I did have a, a, a private conversation with somebody else today. The, the non-calls and the bad calls were one thing. They were irate over the embellishment chances and everything else that Florida tried to, to pull off. They were as frustrated with that as anything else because they're trying to draw penalties, because they know about the only way that they can score goals in the series has been on the power play. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. And again, the officials let all of this go, and they shouldn't. They should have a much better handle on it. And they tried early in the game, and I think that's part of the reason why Chernak got that roughing call because they were trying to send the message, we're not taking both, we're just taking one of you. And because Tampa Bay was in the lead, well, that's who, that's how they sort of view things a lot of times. Um, and then you have, here's the other issue that a lot of people have with this situation in game four. You had Kelly Sutherland, who is a experienced referee, paired with Garrett Rank, who was officiating his first NHL playoff game. He is a 360-ish game uh, experience at the NHL level in the regular season, but this was his first playoff game. How do you put a player, uh, an official, knowing already the temperature of this series and what we've seen going back to a week ago Saturday, how do you put him in his first NHL game? Because he's the one that made that call on Kucherov for goalie interference, which tells me uh, an official in his first game caught up in the emotions of what's going on on the ice and was just looking at things the wrong way because of who was leading on the scoreboard. And that's a debate we've had. And you go back to the Tim Peel situation from earlier this year, you know, the game management situation, but how do you also put an official in his first career playoff game in the middle of this series when it's already been lots of stuff going on back and forth between the two teams? 
E, we could say that a lot about the league, but again, are you surprised? I don't think they care. I, I don't. I think they look at this and say, it's playoff hockey, baby. And things like this are going to happen. And unfortunately, until we get beyond that mindset, we are going to continue to see things like this happen. And it's unfortunate because all you have to do is keep awarding, in this case, the Tampa Bay Lightning with power play opportunities. You think the Panthers are going to continue to run around? And if they continue to run around, they hurt people, then start suspending players. Not that hard. It's a problem. That's the problem. They're they not going to. to. Right. But, they, but the they, reason the reason they don't want to is because the general managers don't want them to do that. And that may be the case. Well, that, that very well may be the case. And they also have, you know, the NHL, you know, Department of Player Safety is run by a guy who made his living beating yeah. Yeah. people's brains out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know how to fix that. As I told you before, when I see something that's not working, you blow it up. And you start over because it can't be any worse than what we're witnessing in playoff time. I mean, Sergachev could be out for an extended period of time. I don't know. Let's hope not. But the, the Kucherov hit, the targeting of Kucherov, the inconsistent calls, not knowing what's a penalty. You're right. The Chernak penalty that was called for roughing. The Gord one after he was hit. And here's the thing. If we don't know what a penalty is, the players don't know what the penalty is in the most important time of the year. When when the when the the spotlight is on the league, we all talk about how great playoff hockey is because it is. It's great, you know. And, and even John Cooper made sure to emphasize that today. That you know, we love the passion, we love the emotion, we love everything about the sport, except for, quite bluntly, crap like that. Um, and it it you know, like I said, the general managers are the ones that setting the tone of this and kind of going back to my, we haven't evolved. Who are the general managers for the most part? <laughs> They're former players. They're former ones who went because because here here's they always look at it selfishly. Well, I, I don't want my players suspended for a play like that, so I don't want that called. And that's where that's where the league has could... to separate the two. And we've had this conversation relatively recently that I think you need more outside thinkers like a Julian Brisebois, like a Kyle Dubas, not necessarily players who play the game at a high level so they have a different perspective on things to come in and, and kind of change the culture a little bit, you know? And again, I, and I know I brought this up before, but I'm going to bring it up again. When Steve Eiserman tried to speak out against it, he was admonished for it. And if a guy like Steve Eiserman can't speak up about some of this stuff and not get admonished for it, well, that tells you right there the archaic thinking that still exists in this game and it's time to evolve for the NHL. If they want this to grow, it's time to evolve. Great point. It reminds me of what people who follow politics, they'll say the federal government is swampy. It's so swampy you can't get change. Really systemic change because things, people are just set in their ways. They're comfortable in what they do, and it's really hard to change the culture. I think you can look at sports. I think you can specifically look at the NHL, and everything you just said is absolutely 100% correct. It's going to take somebody, maybe a, somebody that's in the game to come out and really blast what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, do you think Wayne Gretzky appreciates what's happening in these playoffs? Or do you think he'd go along and say, you know, it's playoff hockey? I mean, Gretzky. at some point, you have to look at this and say, guys, our game is going to suffer for this if it already hasn't. Well, and 
Gretzky, unfortunately, is not the guy to do it. He should, and he could, and it would carry a ton of weight. But, you know, he's the quote-unquote ambassador of the league, and he played in that era. You know, he knew what it was to have Marty McSorley with him on the ice. Somebody, Yeah, somebody to protect him, and that's exactly what it was. Everybody on the the ice knew you don't hit Wayne Gretzky because you're going to have to pay for it. I've answered your question. I've answered my own question because Mary Lemieux came out and blashed the league. Yeah. Retire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he really threw it in their face and it didn't change anything. The best player in the game at the time retired because he called it a garage league. Yeah. Yep. And you have to have better respect between players, too. And that's what I think is where a lot of skill, you know, because I look at the, the, the Hornquist play again, by definition of stuff, it's not necessarily a dirty hit. It's a dirty play. It's not a dirty hit. And, and I don't know if you understand the difference in what I'm saying there. Um, you know, but it it's there's three and a half minutes left in a six to two game. And I understand you play to the whistle and, and everything like that. I, I get it. But it, it there's no respect there for Patrick Hornquist to Mikhail Sergachev. Zero respect. And again, we're we're talking about a league that allows all kinds of headshots. Um so that's there's a respect level there that's absent as well. Uh, but like what if there's what if there's something that is going to keep Mikhail Sergachev out for the rest of the playoffs. Eric, that's hockey. No. And that's mindset. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. It is. It is. It's um it's just a shame that we're still sitting here in 2021 talking about this kind of stuff. Um I'd like the officials to be accountable at least and speak to the media after every game. Yeah, that's another problem. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't speak about, you know, their thought process. Yeah, and, and well, look, and I've covered some major league baseball and, you know, look, I mean, umpires have huge out effects on games at times as well. But at least they make them available to a pool reporter to just get their thought process. Yeah, I, I see no reason why they can't talk to the media. If you're going to impact the game that much, because, look, we're talking about the game getting out of control and that stems from the officiating. They're the ones that need to speak to the media to let us know what is your thought process because your the perception of the NF, NHL and the officiating is awful. And it's going to take some years of changing that mindset. Let's get it started now. But I think a good first step not only would be cleaning house, but also I, I'd like to hear from some of these officials about certain hits and ask them what they saw and then be be challenged a little bit on, on the calls. I, I think that's only fair. Nobody's held accountable here. And uh, that's why Rick Peckham had the great line that I've, I've stolen a couple of times. Uh, the cone of silence. That's what he refers to the officials. You know, it was a, a meeting that, you know, you see the four of them come together. He called it a cone of silence. And it, it's beyond just that moment. It's, it's, it's absolutely the truth because the only time you hear explanations for a, f- official anything is when there's a suspension. Yeah. It's the only time you get an explanation on a call and why a call was made. And it's not even coming from the officials. It's coming from player safety. Um, you know, and they'll say, you know, okay, there wasn't a penalty called here or, you know, the situation with the Sam Bennett hit in game one, it, it, it was called a, a charging call, but he was suspended for boarding. Um, there's just, there's just so many um, problems with officiating in the NHL. And um, unfortunately I, I just, I don't see it changing anytime soon. And that's a shame. Cause like I said, it it's time for the game to evolve. 
Yeah. And, and it's not for the reasons you gave the reasons we talked about. It's just not. And um, because of that, I think the league is starting to actually go a little more towards a heavier game. I think it's it's gone over the line a little bit here in these playoff games. I think if you've watched Boston, Washington, Islanders, Pittsburgh, if you watch the, this series, we're starting to get back into that that mindset where I think bigger is better, bigger is better, and you better have an enforcer or two on the team to combat some of this craziness that is going on because it is out of control. And I think that's where the league is headed. I do. I really do. I mean, even the Lightning have a couple of guys who can drop the gloves and protect their teammates. But because of this and the unwillingness to adapt and to play to the league's strengths, which is speed and skill, we are going back to being big and bad. And because of that, some teams are going to have to change. They're just going to have to. Well, the Lightning already did. Yeah. Right. And, and in some sense, so do the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, and, and I remember saying this in 2019, the Leafs and the lightning were going to be the test run for teams built on speed and skill because they didn't really have that quote unquote heavy player in their lineups. Well, guess what? Neither of them got out of the first round. So what did the lightning do? They went out and they picked up Pat Maroon, right? And not necessarily for his fighting. That's part of it but just for a quote unquote heavier style of game, you know, and what did the Leafs do? You know, they went out and acquired Kyle Clifford, you know, now this year they have Wayne Simmons, you know, so it, it, it's, it's a shame that we can't let the speed and the skill of this game shine through on a more consistent basis, because that's the beauty of the game. And I'm not saying you physicality leaves the game. That's not what I'm saying in any way, shape or form. You can still have a physical game. But you don't need to have, you know, some of the crap that we've seen take place and then have to rely on the players to police it or officiate it themselves. Well, if the officials aren't going to take care of it, what's the only other way to take care of it? And then that's where you get into this whole eye for an eye type thing. And I'm really interested to see because this is how I feel Monday is going to go. The game is going to start at a cool temperature because the Panthers season is now on the line. So they can't put themselves into a situation, even with an embellishment call, because I guarantee you, Julian Breezebois has already been on the phone. He's probably already sent some video clips. You need to look at this. This is how much they're embellishing and how much they're trying to draw penalties. So they have to be careful, the Panthers do, about how they approach Monday's game from that aspect because they can't afford to lose this series because they put themselves in the penalty box and allow the lightning power play to continue to slice them up. And even if the lightning get up to a lead like they did in game four, Florida is not going to retaliate because they no longer have anything to play for. So they're not going to completely disrespect the game and just start running around. The problem is going to be Greg is if the Panthers have a big lead, what do you think is going to happen then? The lightning are going to be the team trying to make runs, trying to get retribution for what happened in game four, especially, and I look, I'm, I have no in, information on this. Based on what I saw, I'd be surprised if Mikhail Sergachev plays. Kucherov, I'd be less surprised if he doesn't play. I think there's probably a chance just kind of based on what, uh, how all that transpired. But even without those guys, especially those two guys aren't able to play, 
if the Panthers are the team they get out to a lead, it's going to be the Lightning's turn to turn around and kind of not necessarily to the extent of what Florida did, but they're going to be looking for a piece of flesh to steal a phrase. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So the temperature will be cool on Monday, but it can easily heat up very, very quickly and not in a good way. Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. I, I could see that playing out. And, you know, the one way to really silence the crowd and take the momentum out is for the Lightning to score early, get a decent-sized lead, and just take Florida out of the game. They may be so deflated, it might not be chippy at all. And it won't be because I, I've seen that before. Yeah. Because now, now, now there's no message to send. Right. And then then you're completely disrespecting the game if they try and go out and do that, if they if they get blown out again on, on Monday. Yep. But if it's a lightning that's getting blown out, watch out. I would agree. I would agree. And. You know, if it's to your point, if it's a different scenario, just. I don't think there's any question Luke Shen's going to be in the lineup. Let's just put it that way. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So even if Sergeyev is healthy, there's no doubt they're sticking with with seven and eleven uh, in that situation. So, um, all right, let's get to uh, just a couple of questions that uh, that came in um, today before we close things out and get ready for Monday's game number five. Uh, sorry, let me get to him here um, from Chris. Assuming Duclair is not suspended for game five, do the Lightning go after him at some point in the game, or does this event get filed away for next season? Uh, well, it, again, if, if it's uh, Florida gets out to a big lead, I could see some form of payback taking place. Um, you know, Duclair is only on a one-year contract with Florida. I don't know if they're going to resign him. Um, so I don't know, you know, it depends on where he ends up next year, but I, I could see it. I mean, Vinny LeCavier went after Matt Cook, even though Matt Cook was in a different uniform the year after he delivered a hit that forced uh, LeCavier to have surgery. Um, so I, I could see it kind of going both ways, but I guess it kind of depends on how the game plays out on Monday. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think I think it comes down to how the game plays out. But I do think, look, hockey players have long memories. And I could see a situation playing out where somebody addresses that with Duclair at some point. It might not be the next game, but it could be the following year. Yep. Uh, from Stephanie, uh, if Bo Sergachev and Kucherov can't play in Monday's game, what adjustments to the lineup do you think Cooper will make for Monday? Uh, well, um, if Kucherov can't play, that guarantees you Matthew Joseph comes back into the lineup and he's been scratched twice in four games as Luke Shen has played in the other two. Uh, the adjustment's going to be, what do you do on the power play? Do you go ahead and stick Andre Pilat back over on that right circle like he was earlier in the year? Uh, I prob- You probably see that in terms of the power play. Um, the question's going to be, who goes and plays right wing for... Kucherov if he can't play with point Palat because it was Barry Belay down the stretch. I don't think Barry Belay is coming in, even if Kucherov is out. Um, and then with Sergachev, I think you're right. I think Luke Shen plays no matter what. Uh, it'll be interesting if, if uh, because we know how they like their righty-lefty balance. And obviously Shen is right-handed and Sergachev is left-handed. It's not a straight swap lefty for righty in that situation. Um, 
but I, I would be curious to see because obviously what Freddie Clayson is probably number four on the depth chart from the left-handed D uh, and he did get in a couple of games down the stretch. Um, my guess is they would stick with six and 12 and Shen just plays, you know, on the left side, maybe with, uh, with Savard um, or they, maybe they will readjust things around from there. But, uh, but certainly I think no matter what Luke Shen is in the lineup Monday. Yeah, I think that's going to be the the more interesting situation is the the back end, you know, because I think for Cooch, if he's not playing Monday, I think he'll be back. I mean, it's not, it looked like a nerve maybe was hit and, you know, it just... Yeah, it, let's hope it's how it was. Yeah, the Sergeyev one, I think, has bigger implications just because we start now talking about the depth with the Lightning on the back end. And I think Shen's that first guy. After that, you know... You have a bunch of guys who've played a little bit, but not a ton. Well, you know, a guy we haven't talked about a lot, Cal Foot. Yeah. Remember, he's only played one game since the trade deadline when they acquired David Savard. Um, you know, got some games in, in Syracuse down the stretch, but uh, he's with the team. Fortunately, the team is not practicing before Monday's game, so we won't have any of these answers at the earliest at the morning skate uh, sometime around 1130 on Monday morning. So, um Lots of questions, but uh, we don't really have any good answers at the moment. Uh, from our friend Prezemic, um, could you see the kind of brawl we saw during the Rangers-Capitals game after a $5,000 fine for Tom Wilson? Because I'm 99% sure both Duclair and Hornquist will play in Game 5. Uh, Prezemic, I'm, I'm going to go one degree higher. There's a 100% chance both of those guys are playing because unless they're injured, they're not getting suspended. So we can just assume that they're going to be in the game. You are not going to see a brawl because it's a playoffs first and foremost. And like what Wilson did is on a different level, it's both dirty plays, um, but not to the extent that everybody is screaming for a suspension for Duclair, unless of course you're a lighting fan, uh, but everywhere else you're not, you're not listening, you're not, no, you're not hearing that, um, that cry for an automatic suspension, you know, and look, Duclair doesn't have a history. He's not a dirty player. Uh, he had, he made a dirty play, um, but you're not going to see things get out of hand in that aspect because it's a playoff game. It's even if it was a regular season game, I don't think you'd see anywhere near that extent because that situation between the Rangers and the Capitals were basically the Rangers essentially flipping the middle finger to the league saying, if you're not going to take care of this, this is the, gong show you're going to get the only way i can see it being started is if somebody like lomberg gets out there and you've got the yanni gord line and you know luke shen as a defenseman and everybody's picking a partner i, I mean i've seen that before i've seen actually the the penguins and the flyers have a full out line brawl now some of that was because and this is back when Tockett was playing for the the flyers they were trying to build momentum because they were down 2-0 for the next game you know, they ended up winning the next four in that series. But I, I think this is just different because the Panthers are facing elimination, and I just don't think they're going to do it if they're losing. I think this is something that maybe gets stored away for next year, and from there you kind of see how it plays out. But um, hockey players do have long memories, as we say, and I, I don't think this is going to be the last we see of these players going at each other. It just might not be at that same level on Monday. No, I, I don't think it will be. Not anywhere near that level. Um, just because, just circumstances are so different, and there was a player involved uh, with Tom Wilson. Um, and Prezemic follows that up 
with this, he says the the hit from Duclair on Kucherov was worse than Pronger on Kessler or Simon on Rutu. Uh, those don't stand out to me. Maybe I don't know if they stand out to you, Greg. Yeah, uh, but he says because knee injuries are one of the worst players can get unless it's an Achilles heel situation like Matt Cook on Eric Carlson. Long suspension is necessary, but sadly won't do much because Florida will be out soon. I mean, look, he's he's not getting he's not getting suspended. It's not like as dirty of a, as it was, like even in my mind, and, and I know there's a lot of people who won't agree with me and I'm sure I'll hear about it on my Twitter feed. I don't think it, it, it crosses a line to extra supplemental discipline. He's going to get fined. I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to get fined, but it, like it, it just doesn't cross the line to warrant more supplemental discipline just because it it just doesn't it, I don't know when I first saw it I didn't have that feel and if I don't have that feel when I first see it it I don't think it's going to happen and look and and I've watched it more than a few times it's a dirty play well see and that's the thing that's kind of a contradiction and I I tend to agree with you but there was intent to I don't want to say intent to injure but I think he certainly knew where he was going with that hit you sure weapon to whack a guy and you did it away from the play you knew it was Kucherov you absolutely knew it and so in many ways, you knew exactly what you were doing. Does the fact that Kucherov got hurt and had to leave the game put any pressure on the league to possibly give Declare a suspension? I don't know. This is the NHL we're talking about. I mean, I think anything <laughs> possible with these guys. Yeah. But it's interesting because I think Declare did intent in did intend to do some harm to Cooch. Why else would he take a stick to the leg? There's no doubt. It was intentional. He knew what he was doing and where he was going with it. Um and again, and, and when I say it's not suspend, suspendable, that's not my necessarily my opinion. That's based on how I think the league is going to react to it because I, I'm with you. It is. It, it's a dirty play. It's premeditated. It's done with intent. And you can't tell me, you know, and there's a there's a rule in the book for intent to injure. If that wasn't an intent to injure, I don't know how you define it any other way. The problem is I just know what the standard is and the standard is going to be a five thousand dollar fine. Yep, and that's why the mindset of the league needs to change because of that. Yep, and I, and, I, and I think you had a very good tweet during the game that um, the league allows this to happen, and this is what you get, and they don't want to change it, and uh, I thought it was very on point. So Every once in a while, I get there. You do. You do, and uh, I thought it was very, very poignant on you. So if anybody wants to go check out Greg's feed, go find that tweet. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, just as I enjoyed talking to you, as always, Greg. Um, it's fun. It's fun. It's the best time of the year. It's sad that we have to talk about some of these subjects, but at the end of the day, it's still a best time of the year. And the Lightning are up three-one heading Monday. Have a chance to close out the series and move on to the second round for the fourth time in the past six years. That's the exciting part. Yeah, it's look. We're we're saying all this, but the Lightning have a very good chance of advancing. And anytime you can do that in this league where there's a ton of parody, enjoy the ride. We talk about the golden age of lightning hockey. We're in it right now. Enjoy, enjoy these moments. It's hard to win playoff rounds. It's, it's, not your, they're not there yet. They got a very good chance of advancing now. Yep. And it, it's a hell of a ride. Um, and it has been really since 2015 um, for this team, even with some of the extreme lows <laughs> during the run of success that they've had, it, it, it has been one hell of a ride. All right. Uh, make sure you check out Greg weekdays. That's Monday through Friday on Lightning Power Play with Dave Michigan on Power Lunch. That's 12 to 1 o'clock. Uh, catch their thoughts on everything. 
uh, special guests they have on is as well. So that's online power play search for it on your iHeart app. Greg will also be back with the pregame and intermission and postgame on Monday as well. Catch my work at lightninginsider.com. Uh, all the stuff I said here, I probably have a few more words on my website. Uh, so go check that out at lightninginsider.com. Lightning and Panthers are back at it on Monday, 8 p.m. Me and Greg will be back with another podcast at some point. I'm actually traveling down once again to Sunrise. So we'll see how the schedule plays out for that. But uh, again, Monday, 8 p.m., game five. And until then, we'll see everybody next time. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.